My name is Camille Dundas, and I was just on the Ryan Holtz podcast. Ryan Holtz is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Another episode of the Ryan Holtz Show podcast, voted number one Black Business Podcast in Canada and powered by Ryan Holtz Marketing, the number one voted uh, marketing agency by Blacks uh, in Canada and the show that helps you uh, upgrade your life personally and professionally and deposit into your soulful currency account. It is Black History Month, but in my life, in my world, it's Black History Day, 24 hours a day. And I have an amazing guest, Camille Dundas, which I like to say young and Dundas. If you're a Torontonian, you know, it's a big part of Toronto. Um, but Camille is the editor-in-chief of Buy Blacks Magazine, and she's going to come on the show and talk about a very cool program that she's a uh, joint partnership with Dalhousie University that basically talks about, you know, cultural sensitivity in the workplace. But she's going to dive right into that. But before we get to anything, Camille, welcome. How are you? It's so good to see you. It's amazing to see you. Thank you for having me. I think I haven't been on your show in a couple of years. I was going to give you a fun fact. It was It's literally a couple of years ago, and you were in, in the first 30 episodes. I think it was... Wow. 24 or 25 episode 24 25 you're like an early early you're you're early i'm you're like OG yeah, like if, if we're talking venture capital you're like in the ideation stage yes like you are like you were there while i didn't even know what microphone i wanted to use yeah <laughs> <laughs> so how how are you your kids are beautiful your Thanks. husband is over there trying to be clarence savant um <laughs> like what's going on in your life camille yeah, a lot's going on. Buy Blacks is growing. Mm. Um, yeah, we're in Black History Month. You know, that's uh, and and like that one podcast. Um, you know, they say Black History Month is uh, is Black people's Christmas time, right? So, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So uh, everyone I talk to is super busy during this time, so we're great. Yeah. So, what do you think about this? It's interesting because you are such a proponent of of spreading. You know. Black culture and 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 success and um, you know knowledge and awareness—it's literally something that you can tell us in your value system fabric of who you are as a human being. So there's not just a monetary component to it; it's who you are and what you're really passionate about. What do you think about the whole concept of you know Black History Month in general? Just one month out of the year. Yeah. The shortest thing I've got. <laughs> Don't tell me. 28 days. I'm like, really? Really? Come on now. You couldn't give me a 29-day month? Come on. Right? You know, I, I've said before, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with Black History Month. Because yes. on the one hand, I am so eternally grateful to people like Jean Augustine, Rosemary Sadler, who were the stalwarts that came before us who pushed to give us this recognition, right? Yeah. They, yep. we, I stand on their shoulders. I am so grateful for them every single day. And, you know, I know at the time when they were uh, pushing for this, um, it was a, a, a massive achievement and it still is. Um, unfortunately, I think that Black History Month, in a way, still kind of allows people to pigeonhole all our issues, all our joy, all our contributions um, into this very short time frame. Um, and what I what I don't like about Black History Month is that it doesn't it doesn't celebrate enough our joy. Mm. Um, when I look at the conversations that happen, particularly in corporate, and even I will give pushback when I'm asked to speak 
um, about uh, during Black History, rather. Um, mm. We always want to start uh, at, at slavery. We mm. always want to start, you know, um, somewhere that it, that it, mm. that is rooted in our pain. And mm. I always say that, you know, something like like slavery is really white people's history. Mm. Slavery mm. happened to us. Mm. Right. It, it mm. is part of our journey, but it is certainly not where our history begins. Yes. Um, it's not where white people's history begins either, but it happened to us. Right. Yes. We created. So yes. I want that. Then that is why by blacks is so focused on the, the contributions that we have made, the, the, the things that we've been able to come up with and create in spite mm. of all of the, uh, of the, um, horrible things that uh, that our people have been through. Yeah, you know, you make a great point, right? Because it's the narrative. I always say, like, you know, I think in life, I'm a big proponent of always controlling your own narrative. A lot of people like to tell you what they think of you, which, in my opinion, is really none of your business anyway. You know, you keep doing you, boo, right? <laughs> um, but you got to jump out and say, no, 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 I'm not letting somebody write my story. I'm, I'm going to tell you from my own mouth what my story is. Um, and I think a lot of people, you make such a great point of every time you talk about black history, it goes into slavery. And it's like there's well-documented cases of success, amazingness. Just we were awesome. We we're great. There, we, you know, yeah. there was a certain period of time that it really affected us. I agree with you about Black History Month, but I want to slide into the corporate world because this is where, you know, you're doing this new project, you know, basically going in and you can explain it better than I can. But the way I'm taking it is you're going into you know, you basically created a training program at scale that helps corporations understand the cultural sensitivity, also the diversity that goes into it. I asked you in DM on Instagram, do you think people are signing up because they care? Or do you think they're trying to check a little, you know, uh, equity box inside their human resources, or, you know, portfolio? Yeah. What is your opinion of that? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of box checking out there. And over my career as a, a racial equity educator, I have learned to recognize those mm. signs earlier on, right? Can um, you give a us a few signs? Can you give us a little? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I think and I'm not asking a sarcastic way. I'm just saying sure. I think it's I think it's educational, and I want to know too. <laughs> yeah. Number one, when any company comes to me right before Black History Month or during Black History Month, I won't even entertain their conversation um, because it's clear to me that they are rushing to do this or someone has told them, oh, hey, you know, Black History Month is coming up. Y'all should do something. And so there's no investment there. Mm -hmm. And what I have done, Ryan, you see, with this with this course, right, what I have done is because I... It, it is all linked to that point that you just made about continuous education and investment because I've done a lot of keynote speaking, right? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed that. However, when I reflected upon my career and, and what I was doing and and why I was doing this, I came into this to, to move the dial to make some type of change. Mm -hmm. I realized that, wait a minute, I come in here, I'll, I'll chat for an hour and then I'm gone and I don't know how what I said or did impacted that organization or if they were able to make any real change. And then I said, you know what, Camille, you, you have to start, you have to start pushing back and moving away from just allowing people to throw money at you and speak for an hour and then leave. 
And so now when they when they ask me to to come and do a keynote, I say, okay, I'll do a keynote, but here's what I want to know from you. Are you willing to invest in a longer term term program? Because I've created one that's backed up by Dalhousie University. So you know, it's accredited by university. It's a program that's that spans different identities. So it's now very hard for you to say, oh, no, no, we don't want to do that. Then I'll be like, well, why? Mm. And it's well done. You know, you sent me the link and I, because you have a, a teaser video, kind of a promo yeah. video for it. And it, I mean, you might, it, like, wow. Because people create courses all the time. I mean, there was investment of time and money into this course. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is well, this is well done. And it looks as good as any other online course from a university I've ever seen. So props to you on that. But I seen a lot of the Camille flavor on there. There was some good color, a couple little pungent lines in there. You know, you, you had to bring in the Camille. I like that. What was your sole motivation and how hard was it to package up kind of all your experience speaking, doing corporate, frequently asked questions? How hard was it to get it into a course And then what was the big, big motivation for you to to put that kind of time and effort in it? Yeah. Uh, Okay. I'll answer the first part. Six part questions. That's my shit. I always do it. (laughs) It was very hard, Ryan. Um, And I had to hire two people, two curriculum experts um, to help me uh, focus because Mm. I have so much material, Mm. so much content, and I wanted it all in there. Mm. And they're like, okay, no. Um, the challenge for you now is because this is a micro credential, so it's micro learning. So my mm. course has 30 videos that are all either five to 10 minutes long. That's mm. a huge challenge for me. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, I can go on, I can go on for a while. Once you, once you hit that, that start button, it takes me a while to stop, okay? Um, and so it was very difficult. I had to really um, tap into my journalism skills um, to summarize. Uh, and really get to the heart of the message that I wanted to bring out. So yes, that was difficult. The main motivation, I'll be really honest with you, was my mental health. Mm. Reason being, the more that I kept engaging and speaking about these issues over and over and over again, after I did one keynote, I would have to decompress for several hours. Because telling my story, telling stories of other marginalized folks that I know, and then also hearing back the stories from the people of color who were on the call was so traumatic. Because you have to hold space for their emotions, for their trauma, for their stories. And I thought to myself, there was one week where I had an engagement every single day in one week. And after the week was over, I reflected and I said, Camille, this is not sustainable. You can't keep doing this. Because I was unavailable to my husband, unavailable to my kids, unavailable to anyone else. Because I would just go into a zone. I'm just like, I can't speak. I can't, don't, don't, don't ask me for anything. I have to just like recharge. And I couldn't, I can't do that on a regular yeah. basis. So yeah. I thought, how can I continue to bring this message out, but do it in a way that's scalable and that I can protect my energy? And so I said, okay, recorded a recorded pre-recorded course that, but I've also baked in four hours of one-on-one of sort of live Q and A's with me and other facilitators on my team. Mm. That's it. That's really interesting. So the mental health aspect, that's a whole nother conversation in in the, in the black community as well. Right. That's really cool to hear you, 
you say that. When I think of mental health now, the, the number one person that really gets me going is Charlemagne the God from The Breakfast Club because he's, he's, he's went, really went crazy on that and then he came out with the book and whatnot. Can you unpack that? Like, I think what you said there, that is so heavy. You created a course because literally the impact of repeating your story started to really weigh on you and your family. That yeah. I think is a, a message that is probably shared by many, many people. You know what I mean? What are some signs and identifiers that you knew this is really taking a toll? I know you said, hey, like my, you know, I'm unavailable to Mr. Clarence Avant, AKA Roger Dundas and my kids and all that. But what was some, what was the turning point where you're like, okay, yeah. no, no, either I scrap this whole repeating my thing every keynote or I create a course. What was the turning point where you said, make a decision? Yeah, it was definitely that week. I can't remember what month it was. It was mm. that week when I, when I was back to back and it really was hearing from, I was doing something called listening sessions with black employees and I have to hold their stories confidential. Um, that's part of the process. But hearing one after the other, I I have I've been in, you know, in in corporate for how many years, whatever. And I kind of felt like, okay, you know, I've I've heard and seen it all. And then every time you get on a call and it just gets worse and worse, hearing the experiences that people are having at work is so shocking to me that people are still having these experiences. And I'm just like, this is this, there's no end to this. And just, just hearing people talk about how they've been sidelined or marginalized or things that people have told them to their face at work. Um, like I, I had a, 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 a gentleman once tell me uh, he was promoted um, to sort of um, to, to lead a team. And, you know, we hire based on our network, based on who we know. And for the first time, that team had three black men on it. Mm. And the, let's say his colleague came to him and said, yeah, we don't like the way this is going. You know, that's not the demographic that we were looking for for this team. Wow. And in, in a few months, they demoted him while he was on vacation. Yeah. And then moved all the people that were on his team somewhere else and demoted him to a different team. Yes. Um, that's that's the that's the, the that's scratching the surface, right? Um, yes. But, you know, just some very very heavy heavy stories. And and what was interesting to me is that he continued to work for the company. And and I said to him, you know, why didn't you why didn't you at that point just leave? And it's so interesting the positions that were put in as black folk in corporate life that mm -hmm. it was a sales position and he had his entire book of business that he had built with that company over 10, 15 years. And he was like, if I left, I would also be leaving that book of business. And it's Ooh, these stop there for a sec though. Yeah. So now what we're talking about is ownership. Yeah. Look at that. Okay. Yeah. Listen, don't deposit into a checking account that you don't own mama. Mm. Mm -hmm. Don't mm -hmm. climb mountains that don't like, you know what I mean? I could go on and on, right? This is my whole co concept of soulful currency. There's mm -hmm. monetary currency, vibe currency, love currency, family mm -hmm. currency, developmental currency. And this is why ownership is such a big thing. Sidebarring into a great conversation I had, which I'm sure you'd appreciate. There's a lady named Lise here in Canada. She's a black woman out of Montreal. You probably heard of her. She's a venture capitalist. So she has a $25 million venture VC fund that is totally targeted at black ownership businesses and startup uh, startup stage. She was working for all the banks, finance guru. And I asked her, I said, and we, you and I have talked about this too. I said, why does like the black people get like maybe even a percent, 1% of the VC 
fun pie. I thought she was going to give me this educated algebraic answer. Here was her answer. Ryan, when investors invest in companies, yes, they're looking at numbers, but chances are they're looking at the person they're investing in to think, is this person really going to take my money and give my money back and be able to perform what they're pitching me today? And she said, unfortunately, if I'm a white person and I'm looking at a black person, I don't have that same trust as though I would have with a white person who's pitching me. And I, I, I wasn't shocked because she said it because I always kind of felt that, but I was just so shocked that somebody who's this geek on the VC side of the business was like, no, no, forget all the dollars and cents right now. It comes down to the motion. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. So then, you know, going back into your point with the ownership, it's well, in the black community, you really, we really got to, you know, huddle up and say, well, how can we start creating our own wealth, our own money, our own businesses, right? But that yeah. kind of segues into why I think the gentleman was uh, was at that company still. Yeah. it's, it's Oh, a, doesn't that hurt? It hurt. That It did hurt. Come it hurt. On. Because I, I felt like, you know, I would like to know that if I was in that situation, I would be able to just pick up and be like, you know what? Deuces. But so many of us are not in that position at all. Yeah, I'm a big proponent that there's forms of slavery and there's modern day slavery. That situation to me is it would be would be uh, categorized as a modern day slavery situation. It's hey, you're making great money, but you know if you leave my you know crappy ways that yeah. your money is going to go to zero. And if that person's got kids or a family or bills to pay or mouths to feed, you can't just run from your job when you got kids. I I mean I can speak. I'm a, I'm a dad. Like yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, you want to throw the punch and you're like, wait a second. Yeah. Uh, what, what's Nora going to say? What, what's my kids going to, what? I love my life right now. Wait a second. I got a good thing going here. Hold on. You know, I don't want to become that person that's on the news right now. Like, you know, Ryan Holmes was caught in this issue and I'm, oh my right? God, I, I'd be okay press for my show. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, I could spin it. You know, there's some, but Eddie, you get what I'm saying, right? Absolutely. So, but, but jokes aside, like, what do you, like, how do you feel about that? And I'm sure you've seen that scenario just in different ways, multiple times. Yeah. I mean, Man. I'm, I'm, what can I say? I'm, I'm not going to, what I don't want to do is to shame or pressure people into feeling mm. like, well, you need to be a business owner. You need to be an entrepreneur. And that's the only way for black people to be successful. Yes. I yeah, take I agree. point about ownership. But entrepreneurship is not for everyone, no matter your background, right? Mm. And so I find that there's a little bit of, in our community, in anywhere, in the business community, in the, entre in the entrepreneurial community, there's a little bit of, of, of toxic encouragement that we do, mm. um, where we're like, if you mm -hmm. don't own anything, if you're not an entrepreneur, you're not doing anything with your life, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've been working in corporate and being an entrepreneur and doing this and doing all kinds of, of different consulting things. I've managed to like hold a lot of different um, hats, right? Mm -hmm. um, so... You know what? There's there ain't nothing wrong with it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna drop something say, on you, Camille. All I say though before you say that is that you need to have your own boundaries. You need mm. to know what those boundaries are so that when someone steps on that boundary, you know immediately what your plan is. I, and I love that. So let's talk about hygiene. Let's talk about investment on hair, my can two curls weaves, all kinds of stuff. Let's talk about the investment that black folk tend to make on their hair or lack thereof or more of whatever you want to call it. Okay. I got Cantu in my hair right now. Curls are on point singular. Uh -huh. Now uh -huh. what's interesting is I tell people, okay, you want to work at your job? Cool. 
you, you like what you're doing, awesome. You don't have to own anything. You're making good money. But what I think has to happen is just as much as we focus on our physical hygiene, you know, we need to focus on our spiritual hygiene, our mental hygiene, and our financial hygiene. And what I mean by that is, even if I'm working at a job, and let's say, you know, in our household, we shop at Amazon. We buy things from Amazon because, you know, one of our homes is in the middle of nowhere and it's convenient because we have kids. So I say to myself, well, I'm lining Jeff Bezos's pockets, right? But how can I line some of my own? So what do I do? I take a portion of what I make and I buy Amazon stock, right? If I'm a Nike fan and I want to buy my Air Jordans, terrible investment. I tell people all the time, I'm like, stop with that crap, man. Save up your money. Go buy some. Don't buy liabilities, buy assets. You know, it's like the Earn Your Leisure podcast, right? Yeah. Own where you spend your money. But here's the se- the third thing I tell people. Yes, you don't have to go out and, and open up your own company. And the truth is, Camille, you know this. If every single person who's in the workforce opened up a business, who the hell is going to serve you? Right. Who's going to yeah. make the coffee? Who's going right. to like, you know, put, put on the pallets, load the trailers, all these kinds right. of things. Yeah. But if people say, okay, great, maybe I don't want to own a business. Well, then maybe I got to start looking at positions that offer me some sort of profit sharing or equity sharing in a business, right? Maybe, you know, you look at Tim Cook, Apple stock, he's a smart, smart person. He says, hey, you know, you don't have to give me all my money up front, but what I want is I want stock options, Mm -hmm. right? Then that stock option turns out to be way more than any cash even received, right? So I think it comes back to financial literacy a lot, in my opinion. There's a lot of ways to skin the cat of, of success. The whole hustle, you know, entrepreneur hustle porn culture, like that stuff is is so washed out. And I think that people listening to the show right now, and that's what I try to encourage with the show, Camille, too, is bringing on people that really give solid nuggets that really can, you know, hey, I didn't know that even existed, right? For you, you're a business owner. <laughs> I don't, you're, you're kind of everything. You're, you wear a lot of different hats, okay? I know you're working on minimizing and trying to hygienically clean out your workload a bit to, to focus on things that matter. So I think, what would you say to somebody being in your position that is, you know, you're running a publication, you're doing Hootsuite stuff, you're doing a course. Where do you stop? How do you balance all that? Yeah, um, I think I need therapy for that, Ryan. <laughs> It's so true. It's so, yeah. And every time I talk to an Instagram direct message, I love it. Cause I don't know how the conversation always goes. I'm like, Hey, what's going on? You know, you're like, you know, right. And you, man, I think I, you've been saying this for years ever since I first ever talked to you. You're like, Ryan, I'm just, you know, there's so many things on my plate. I mean, I think I got a DM from like 2019. I think you said right. the exact yeah, same thing. <laughs> I do have receipts. I do year got the receipts. After a year. Yeah. And you'll actually see me respond the same way. I'm like, like, and I got the receipt for that. I'm like, Camille, like, well, you know what to do. And it's like literally the same. And then all of a sudden that's it. I don't talk to you for six months. And then right. another thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know. Like there's just so much that I want to do. And mm. there's so much that unfortunately I am passionate about because I actually enjoy doing all these things. Yes. So I think that my advice is when you get to the point where you no longer find enjoyment in one thing, that's when it's time to let it go. Even if mm. it's money, even yes. if oh, people yep. say, oh, that's the, the thing you should do or the right thing to do or the safe thing to do. Um, mm. you gotta, your boundary has got to be, is this thing bringing me enjoyment? Well, you know, it's like Confucius says, right? Those who chase two, two chickens usually get none. Mm. I mean, a lot of the time, right? And, you know, to be said, I go through that too, where I think 
I really want to be a master at, at whatever I do. I want to be known in this world. I want I want global impact and I'm going for it. But I also know that my my value principles of life are I want to be the best father ever. Nothing ever will come against that. I want to be the best husband ever. So my family is non-negotiable. It's yeah. the one thing I'll wrap everything around. I'll, I'll I'll miss out on opportunities if it even comes close to interfering with my family. And I'm okay because... You know, yeah. my wife says the same thing my mom did when she was alive was she said, Ryan, and my mom was a great businesswoman. She said, Ryan, one thing that will all be will always be around is business. Mm. And I'm like, damn, like it's kind of true. Like, are mm. you telling me 20 years from now you can't go out and start a business? Like, there's mm. gonna be something to start a business for, yeah. right? But in 20 years old, my son's gonna be like 25. Yeah. I can't get the first 20 back on that, right? Yeah. Money so comes black, back, time doesn't, right? You're right. So the okay. thing is, though, right, Ryan, also it's no about focus. Because yes. I was speaking to someone yesterday and they're like, oh, you're doing this micro credential. I'm like, and they wanted to ask me for advice and we're talking on the phone. I said, oh, is this something you'd like to create as well? And they're like, no, that sounds like a lot of focus and work. And I was like, yes, you are right. <laughs> because while I do all these things, I realized on looking back, as he said that, I was like, yeah, I had to just focus on this. And so it meant saying no to a lot of things. So just remember that every time you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to about five other things. So be prepared. It, it, it's that's such a that's such a that's such a bar right there. It's it's so true. Like the no's no's are set up, set you up for the special yeses. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have the space to, to even have something come in. And I do believe in the universe. Like the universe is like, yo, Camille's stocked up right now. We're we're just gonna keep the train rolling. We're not we're not stopping at Camille. Camille's already like, yo. Can I, can I, can I tell you something? Please. I, before this course, I launched a course like this, mm. and I can tell you, literally, one person signed up for it. Mm. One person. Mm. I invested all this time and money. I recorded, hired videographers, did all the scripts and everything. I put everything into them. This is great. One person. Mm. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. Yes. And it was one of those funny times where I was saying to my family and friends as I launched it, what if no one signs up for this? And they're like, that's never going to happen. You're awesome. You're amazing. They're all like, You know what though? I would die to I would die to be the group setting and be like, all your friends and family. Same people like, don't worry, you're gonna get signups because you know you know you want to try to give your family and friends some love. It's like, right? um, you know, today we're celebrating Camille's course, um, and then Roger's <laughs> over there. Roger's over there, like, yo, man, the, the, she, the, the girl only had one to sign up. Just shut, <laughs> shut up, shut. Just, and the hold off on that. <laughs> I didn't even know them, so it's not even like <laughs> my friends, colleagues, or fat, like no one, right? Yeah. Like, okay, all right. So I just sat by, I just left it. I just let it sit. And literally, the Dalhousie opportunity came a few months after that. Someone introduced me to them and they said, Wow, we've been following your work. We want to create a micro credential. We think you're the perfect person to partner with. And that's how it started. Wow, wow. So, okay, now it just came right to me. Do you think, though, in some ways, though, that the one sign up was because of like you? Do you think that it was maybe energy you put into it or maybe? lack thereof or do you think maybe in some ways though i don't want you know for lack of better words do you think maybe you even cheaped out like you kind of created a broke down version of the one you just got now (laughs) no because the one you got now is sharp it is no no you you upgraded like you must upgrade it it was an upgrade so (laughs) yes the first one's never always sometimes the best right so you learn a lot of the pitfalls from that do you think that could have been the reason because i'm like or is it you think the marketplace uh no well 
without, you know, going to the gory details, the, the sure. partner that I had, the deal that we had um, was that their part of the deal was to do the marketing. Oh. And, and that never really materialized. Oof. And so, yes, the one person that signed up did come through me. <laughs> but uh, yeah. that, that, that is really it, it essentially what happened. And of course, Roger was like, well, you, you should do your own marketing. Look at, all, look at all these resources that you have. I was like, yeah, but that's not the point. The, the yes. principle is we signed this deal and that was their end of the deal. So I left that to them. He's like, no, no, we should have never done that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, if you had asked me, you didn't ask me. But if yeah. you asked me, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, well, you know, you know better than anything coming from the media background. I mean, whenever you market, whenever you come up with something, you got to do a... You gotta right. do a press run. You gotta go around and right. tell everybody who wants to hear what the hell you're doing. I mean, that's marketing 101. Yeah. Black History Month now. Where do you see us at in 2022? Where where give us some hope. Give us some give us some positive things that you're like, you know what? There's been a few really phenomenal things that I see maybe in the last even 24 to 48 months. Is there anything that you see that you're like, okay, I think I think this is good. Oh, <laughs> that, that's a long right. pause. <laughs> yeah, it's a long, it's a long pause because you know I always keep it real. You know, I will tell you, I will tell you the one positive thing that I have seen. Um, I think that when I first started this work, for example, I could barely get leaders to say the word racism. Mm. who talk about microaggressions, for example, mm. on any, all anyone wanted me to come in and talk about was unconscious bias. Yeah. And so I'd be like, okay, cool, cool. And then I would start talking about that. And then I'd be like, whoa, what about this? And what about that? And then in the middle of the presentation, I would just switch and I'd be like, hey, guess what? Canada had enslaved people too. Mm. Uh, John McGill, the founder of McGill University, had six slaves. Mm. Want to know about that? Ooh. Let me tell you what else we had in Canada. And then I just kind of went into it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's <laughs> in my approach. Yeah. And and over time, I have seen now I'm getting more requests specifically to talk about anti-Black racism, specifically mm. to talk about microaggressions. So it's very mm. interesting um, the shift that has happened in terms of, of people being willing to address these things. However, um, unfortunately, when I look out now, so I was speaking to someone yesterday and they made an interesting point that they almost feel that the George Floyd's murder is having somewhat of a boomerang effect in mm. that after those events, we all felt like, wow, okay, things are changing. We're talking, we're changing the way we talk about this, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And now if you look to the US and also to a good extent here in Canada, in the US, there are several states now passing laws preventing teachers from talking about black history because they should not have any lessons that make white children uncomfortable or feel any sense of guilt. My goodness. Wow. It's happening right now. Um, there are several educators in Canada being silenced. Um, there are other educators who are um, proponents of erasing this type of education and they are being hailed as heroes. It's a very strange thing that's happening in a very short space of time where we went from black squares, everyone posting, all the, the, the companies suddenly have a voice on social mm -hmm. justice 
And now we're in this place where there's a backlash happening and we have schools that are banning discussions that will make anyone feel uncomfortable. The very essence of social justice work decenters white comfort. Mm. And so we we got to get used to that. So I, I honestly don't know where we go from here. I think it's going to be a, a very bumpy ride for anyone um, like myself who is engaging with this work. You know, it's so it's so interesting that you bring that up because I think there's a recent uh, thing that happened that I have such mixed feelings about. Number one, <clears throat> you know this in marketing. If you want to go the entertaining route in your content or whatever you're doing, it's clickbait, it's trendy, but it's got no longevity, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to entertain somebody really quick, they'll stay on your video. But unless you start giving them value or some really hardcore nuggets, they're, they're, they're not going to stay for the meal. George Floyd and all these things happening, and I hate to say it because it's literally a hashtag. It's literally a trend. So trendy is for the now, but trendy doesn't always mean it's going to have longevity. Because once the trend stops, then the true undertone and feeling always, always prevails. So prime example, Super Bowl. Man, I'm, I'm hearing Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Mary J and, and, and Eminem and 50 Cent. They're so happy just to have an opportunity to um, perform at a halftime show. I was watching Mary J. Blige on, on Charlemagne the God yesterday, and maybe I'm crazy, but she's like, I was just so happy and I was so nervous. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I think the, the total net worth of all those performers, like including, the, I mean, mm. a billion, over a million, but like tons of money. Why are you so happy to just get an opportunity to, mm. to do that? And so I think the whole narrative has to shift from, well, I'm happy to get an opportunity to, no, 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 I'm happy when I create an opportunity. Mm. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. I'm happy for the opportunity or I want to create the opportunity. So I asked Roger, Roger, Roger and I actually had a great chat. I, I took a, a few, a few takeaways because he talked about his three D's, you know, destroy it, delegate it. What was the other one? Do it, do it, do it, delegate it, destroy it. Destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I said, Roger, how come you're like uh, basically like a ghost on social? Like what happened to you? I, I thought you were there. According to social media, I don't think you were even living. If it wasn't for Camila, I would think you're gone. He says, well, right. You have to understand. He gives me this example about, he's like, well, Will Smith gets $20 million a movie. But he's like, who's paying that $20 million to Will Smith? He's like, well, I want to be that guy. And it's true. Because you're like, okay, wait a sec. You own the record label. You control the Super Bowl. You own all of the downtown. People are like, well, I got a lease and I got a, I got $20 million. It's like, but who owns the land that it's on? What are they making? And it's a great great thing that he said and i was fascinated because there's people in the world that yes they want to get the credit and be out front and then there's people that are like i'm behind the scenes i yeah. want to become the master at, at what's going on so can you speak to that what do you think about in the black community are we happy to get an opportunity mm. and are we not thinking about creating an opportunity or what the hell's going there going on there that's so loaded it's um. loaded because it's it's something that's at my at my core i'm very passionate slash angry um, aggressive, because I think even going into the court, I mean, I, I, you know, I've been in business a long time and I'm always the only black dude in there. You know, I used to go to conferences. I was the only black person speaking at the conference. Now I refuse to do any conferences that I don't see somebody else that looks like me. And it has to be minimum three to four people. Do you know that? So every yeah. request, I mm. tell the people, I'm like, if I'm the only person you're bringing in, I'm not coming. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. Done with that. So I've done that with, of course, I get a lot of requests to speak on media, on panels, et cetera, about racism and whatnot. And very often I've showed up and noticed that all the other people on the panel are either biracial, 
or racially ambiguous or light skinned. Mm. And I'll say something. You light skinned though. I know, but I'll say something like, "Hey, have you realized that you have?" Um, erase an entire lived experience by not having a black person with darker complexion on this panel. Yeah. Be like, oh, oh, oh. And then I'll say, you know what? Here are some people that I recommend that that you could contact. And if they don't bring somebody else on, I will give up my seat and step off the panel. I will just not mm. participate because I'm not going to be complicit in that. Wow. In 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 media constantly bringing what they perceive to be the good black people or like the you know the, the black people who we're comfortable with mm. um, mm-hmm. visually um, to, to to speak to us. Um, mm. I, I need to use the light skin privilege that I have in order to call that out. So we, we absolutely need to do that. But but to your point, it, it's it's a loaded question because they, we have been robbed of so many opportunities. Mm-hmm. So it's not a surprise to me that we are grateful for opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not surprising for me to, to hear Mary J um, say that she's grateful to perform at the Super Bowl um, because being a black entertainer, we mm-hmm. have been used, abused, Stolen from and <laughs> yeah. and yeah. no from. no IP no masters okay. no IP that's zero show, right yeah yeah that's all <laughs> so, so it's not so I, I'm not I'm not mad at them I'm not mad at people who take mm. opportunities you know what I mean mm. um but I do also want uh, at the same as we it's for me it's like as I obtain opportunity then create obtain create like mm. I have my two hands have to work together. You know what I mean? Mm. I, and I have to always ensure I'm balancing that, right? And That's so- what makes you Camille, though, Camille. Like, that literally, because a lot of people don't think like you. You know, it's, it's you know, you have that perspective that you're, you're like, okay, well, if an opportunity comes, and don't get me wrong, I, I mean, somebody offers you an opportunity, I think you should always be grateful. That's just the mere fact that I think it's respectful. You know what I mean? But it's that opportunity that is there, and it's like, well, who created that opportunity? And this is where my mind goes all the time. It's, well, how did that opportunity, why was that person in a position to be able to offer that opportunity? And why was I in the position to have to just want to receive it or not? Yeah. And so for me, since I was a little kid, I'm like, Ryan, you're never going to be the character that's always on the receiving end of opportunities. You're going to be the one that's also distributing opportunities. And it's a very fundamental mindset shift, Mm -hmm. soul set shift in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Through By Blacks, I create so many opportunities for young Black journalists to be heard. I I just published an article this morning and the writer was introduced to me from another publication who could not publish their article. And this writer was trying to have this article published on, let's call it legacy media. Mm-hmm. After I published the article, we we went back and forth. This morning, she emailed me and said, this has been such a supportive and different experience than I've ever had. Mm. Thank you. I didn't know how much I need. It's been a rough week for me as a Black person. Thank you for supporting me in this way. Mm. Because we work collaboratively, we work very differently from legacy media, right? Um, And writers are like, oh, this is refreshing. This is nice. And I responded, I said, sis, it's the difference between working with Black-owned media and legacy media. Mm. It's different, right? Huge. Huge. And with with the course, I look at, okay, how can I bring other people into this. I already work with so many other consultants. I'm like, I can't do all of these live in-person sessions myself. I physically mm. can't. And now I'm launching a new company. Haven't 
haven't told anyone this. You're getting worse, Ryan. Whoa! Hot off the press. Hot off the press. Exclusive. Called the Idea Practice Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, Anti Racism, and Allyship, where I'm going to create a team of other educators in the space of different identities who can bring their lived experience and their knowledge to help go deeper on parts of the course when people show up for live Q&As. Mm. Yeah, you're 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 a beast. I mean, I see on LinkedIn, you can even tell with your engagement too. You're, you know, you're 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 like a suspicious paranoid. You're an optimistically paranoid person. You're no, you're an optimistically polite paranoid person. Because <laughs> you're just you 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 have to contain yourself. You're naturally a troublemaker, but that's what that's what gets you. That's that's also it's 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 hard when your your je ne sais quoi is the same thing that could get you in a lot of trouble. Like it's the one that will take you to the finish line, but it's also the one that if you don't control it, you're going to get detoured along the way in a bad way. (laughs) I had a client once where I, after I did the presentation, um, they asked for a call to give me some feedback. And I was Mm. like, okay. So part of the presentation that I do is going through um, a bunch of different common words that we all use that has racist baggage. One of those terms is grandfather clause. Mm. Grandfather clause came from the U.S. when new voting laws were coming into play. This is yes. post emancipation, but mm. so so black people were free, but they didn't want them to vote. So they yes. said, "Oh, guess what? We're going to introduce a bunch of new laws. You have to do these literacy tests. You have to own land. You have to have this, this, and that." So black people had to go through these, but white people didn't because their grandfathers, their ancestors were already voters. So they were grandfathered in, whereas Mm. black people had to pass all these tests and rules or whatever that they couldn't obviously pass. So they weren't allowed to vote. Okay. So that's where that phrase comes from. So during this feedback session, they say to me, you know, a really great, great um, presentation, but you know, Someone on our legal team um, has started going through all of our contracts and removing the term grandfather clause. And that's a problem for us because, you know, I was like, pause. That's a problem for you? Why? So what you're saying is you wanted me to come and talk about racism, but you didn't actually <laughs> want to do anything about racism. Ooh, that's a checkbox. That, see, that's one of your, that's got to go down as one of your little, oh, I, right? I smell you. I smell you. Yeah, yeah. So this is the difference between performative action and actual action. When yes. someone on the team says, hey, I just learned about this. Now I'm going to implement it. You support them. You you say, hey, okay, what other words can we use? Let's come up as a team. Do we use legacy? Do we use this? Like, let's do we use generational? What can we do as a team? And then you move forward. You don't go and penalize that person mm. for, mm. for actually pr- trying to practice allyship. Yeah, you know, yeah, because you're 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 trying to sit on the fence, right? No change is made on the fence, right? You're you're trying to do, the whole PC thing, you know, the politically correct thing. It, you know, not a lot of stuff gets done there. I won't bring anything up in Canada about the politically correctness uh, right now. I don't even want to go there. We, you already know what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, we're we're in different times right now. That's all. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. But um, Camille, uh, you know, last question. I know I got to get you going. First of all, you know, this is the last question. Is What do you hope for? What is your hope? My hope is that folks will be able to approach these conversations 
egoless. Mm. Our egos mm. are the main, are the some of the biggest, one of the biggest things getting in the way of true understanding and allyship. If mm. you want to understand those subtle ways in which you may be upholding white supremacy, in which you may be upholding the system of whiteness that favors people who present as white over others. There are Mm. very subtle ways in which all of us actually, including racialized folks, Mm. gatekeep and uphold these rules. Mm. You need to drop your ego. Mm. You need to come to this topic from a place with an open mind, rather, Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and understand that admitting or owning up to these things doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you a person who's willing to do the work. Mm, absolutely. I, I love that. You know what? I think it's it, it's interesting because I think stay woke. <laughs> stay woke comes to mind because uh, I have a lot of clients. Most of my clients, they're not black or diverse. It's, it's, all, it's all white, white folks. And, um, you know, we have conversations like this and I always know I'm working with somebody that's got character when they don't really run from it and they're they're pretty open. Of course, you know, if you're not like a black person, you're going to talk about black topics. You're like, whoa, whoa, Kate, where are we going with the conversation? You know, they, they, they do a lot of, uh-huh, they're listening, <laughs> right? Listening, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, I'm like, it's okay. This is your time to respond. I'm cool. We're cool. We got yeah. that respect line. But I agree with you. I would encourage people to take solace and note that I feel like change comes a lot in the small things we do on a daily basis. Um, It's the conversations that we have on a daily basis. It's the opportunity to educate to somebody that is showing you signs to say, Hey, I, I, I'm not aware, but I'd actually like to learn something. Um, Instead of kind of coming with the negative attitude of, well, you should know, and you should know what your break ground, you know, I I think that you're never going to get anywhere with. You're right. It's, it's ego less. Um, and you're serving, you know, I think if we focus on serving people, um, but again, not blindly stay woke, you know, that's, that's my whole motto is, yo, like, I'm like, cool, we're cool. All awesome. But I'm always woke. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what your motives are, uh, what you're doing. And if our values align, and if they don't, you know, hasta la vista, baby. Right. <laughs> Camille, what a great conversation. You're awesome, my friend. You're awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, last but not least, tell everybody how they can uh, get to the Dalhousie, get the course, check it out, check you out. Where, where can everybody go for all that? Yes, absolutely. I'm always on LinkedIn. DM me and I'll send you more details or it's on dal.ca slash open learning. You're the best. Much love and happy Friday. Bye. Okay, ciao. We're so glad you enjoyed this episode of the Ryan Holt Show podcast. Please don't forget to smash that five-star review as Team Holtz will love you for it. Also, say hi to Ryan anywhere on social media using the handle at RyanHoltz1. That's R-Y-A-N-H-O-L-T-Z, the number one. And if you or your business is looking to expand your brand, book a brand jam with Ryan using the link in the show notes.